0: hi how are you i'm good chris how are you can you see me and hear me all right yeah i can see you okay great and again if you don't want to do video i totally get you uh truth be told i'm so new to this podcasting thing i'm like well i can i can record on zoom but i don't know how to record a phone call i haven't learned uh,
1: that yeah yet. let's do it i i'm, I'm good i got uh, my uh you know I work in
0: Hollywood so to <laughs> say it, it looks beautiful and uncomfortable wherever you are so it looks yeah. better than Richmond Virginia I can assure you of that it's in my backyard my little zen garden here okay well I'm I'm very jealous Chris I live in Richmond above a police station so you've got me beat by a lot <laughs> and um I thank you for again you're my first real victim um in a in, in a way of thinking so I appreciate your patience ahead of time as I maybe work through some of the more technical aspects of doing this.
1: Okay, great. Yeah. Well, you're actually, you know, this is a great thing because, you know, we're all in it together and basically we want to do what you're taking the initiative to do, which is to share our experience, strength, and hope in our work and hopefully reach out to other people that are are going through the same things that we go through individually. In, in our jobs and out in society
0: and and i appreciate you sharing that and so what i wanted to do if this works with you is just and i know we're already at 11:10, but i just wanted to spend a couple minutes getting to know you a little bit and sharing a little bit more about what i'm trying to do with this project and then uh, maybe for the last 10 to 15 minutes or so i'm going to hit the record button and capture that content to share if that's okay great okay great and so yeah. Chris, i think um You've already obviously read up a little bit on on uh, what I'm trying to work on. I, I think you took the note, uh, saw my notes there. And I don't know if you read the little blurb in the Richmond Times about my efforts to organize, um, but I, basically um, I was in hospitality as an executive for like a, the largest hotel ownership group in Virginia, right? I had a pretty cushy life, things were groovy. And then all of a sudden, like one day, I am just like, wait a minute, man, like you can't. Teach, use your strength, and teach, and do all this stuff, and like go after housekeepers, right, and front desk ladies. Like that's horrible. It's it's really bad. And the CEO of my company, we're meeting one on one, and basically, you know, I told him one day, I was like, his name is Neil Amin. I said, Neil, we got to raise wages. We got to compete. We got to attract good people. We got to keep great people. And he's like, no nope, we're not doing that. And I think at that point, I kind of had a reflection moment with God, or whatever you want to call it, and it was like, fuck this. I'm not working for these people anymore, right? Uh, I want to
1: tell you, uh, not to interrupt, but I want to tell you, uh, as you progress and and are doing your interviews and all that, sometimes, and this is just from 30 years in film and television, but even if you record your preamble, you have that editable. You may say things like, you're saying stuff right now that is really good, and you you can take advantage of using that and just say, okay, we're going to discuss this first, and then And, you know, in other words, the more stuff that you record, the better it's going to be for your podcast because you're going to say, oh, yeah, we covered that or because that's, you know, you've got a really good um, focus.
0: So you're saying it would be might a good idea to like do a little hook kind of intro thing and share that little blurb. Yeah, well, or just to, you know, once you start
1: and you do your initial contact or all that, just start recording and you don't have to, you know, use the whole thing. Okay. You edit it down, but you you know you're saying stuff and it's sometimes it's you hit something so perfectly and it's hard to recapture it in that moment.
0: So Okay. So do you would you mind if I hit the record button right now? No. Okay. Yeah, no, do it. I think it's important. Uh well, I appreciate um you giving me that advice. I haven't uh haven't done that yet. So okay, so now it's recording. Um but yeah, so I was working on these projects to do this and it felt really unnatural and horrible. So I got connected um, through a fraternity brother of mine. He happened to be president of the SCIU 512 in Virginia. I had never met him before, never really thought about organizing, unionizing. He coached me through sort of how to do this, and, and the rest is history. I, I got these ladies together in a room, we got cards signed, and then unfortunately it all fell apart a, a, month, a month later. I got fired naturally. Um, that was a really you know intense uh, few few weeks, right? After all of this panned out, I got connected to Jobs with Justice um, through actually through SCIU. They're really nice and helping me out. And there I'm now on a fellowship with them for a year to help organize, which I'm still trying to do in Richmond. It's obviously it's going at the speed of organizing, which I've learned is, you know, like a snail's pace. And that's OK. So mm-hmm. I thought really, you know, there's got to be another form of, of connection that I can in communication that we can leverage to work with these folks. And so the the main idea behind what I want to do with this podcast is keep it very simple. There's a lot of great podcasts and media out there around technical details, around organizing, really in-depth reporting around legislation, uh, key players, all that good stuff. And that's really great. I don't want to do any of that. For me, I know these workers that I was trying to organize, and I know this space. Uh, I've been in hospitality for a long time. And these are folks who are terrified of hearing the word union they, you know, it scares the life out of them. Their bosses come in and union busts like crazy the minute you talk about it. And so for me, this project is about breaking down the fear and mm-hmm. sort of dipping your toe into the water of right. labor. And so the way I would maybe think about capturing conversations with folks like you in the space is to really keep it simple and, and think about what is labor and what is capital, right? What does it mean in America today to to be somebody who labors, or to be the person who owns the the capital, right? And that's one main idea. Talk about that for a few minutes, and that's where I think Chris, you, and other people share your stories about, yeah, I've been in labor. This is what it meant for me. This is what it was like, you know, dealing with bosses who had crazy expectations or all that good stuff, right? But Trying to keep the vernacular of labor out of it. Don't want to hear NLRB. That scares people. It scares I mean, it doesn't scare me. I did. You know, I had to do the NLRB paperwork myself, and I was like, "Oh, someone's going to figure this out." And I guess it's just me. Mm-hmm. But that is overwhelming to a lot of the audience that I was trying to help organize. So very gen- general sort of framing there. And then the other piece that I, I think is really important is I want to hear stories from folks like you, and just you know. I'd ask the question of, Hey, these workers that I'm trying to connect with they're afraid to talk to me, they're afraid to open the door. their bosses have told them all kinds of horrible things. Chris, can you share you know, can you spend a couple of minutes telling folks like that you know why they shouldn't be scared right? Well, I
1: appreciate your work. It's important, and your angle on reaching people is really the most basic and important aspect of organizing so you're you're hitting it in the heart of communication and relating to people in an everyday way what it is that this struggle is all about and basically it's the same struggle you read about the labor history and all of the things that came before most people uh, today especially younger people they don't they never lived in a world where uh, there wasn't a, a weekend where they could work an 8 hour shift or Um, have any kind of basic safety. And this is how unions came about in the very uh, early days of union organizing. It was because uh, uh, all people, men, women, and children, were working seven days a week, sometimes 14, 16, 18-hour days. And and there were certain uh, things that happened, like the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire, where women and children were locked in a, a building because the, the the bosses didn't want them to be able to uh, take uh, unauthorized breaks. So they locked them into this uh, sweatshop, which was a a building that was making these um, uh, clothes, these garments, and there was a fire. And um, a lot of people died in that fire, women and children. And uh, this was so outrageous, and it hit the nerve of so many people who were maybe had a previously uh, negative, um, you know, Idea about unions because they were fed that by the corporate-controlled media, the papers, and all of that that do nothing but tell people how bad unions are. So that was their frame of reference. You know, they didn't really know. And when they saw these dead bodies being pulled from that building, they said, "No, wait. Twelve-year-old uh, uh, girls shouldn't be working 18 hours a day, and um, this is wrong. You know, there should be safety. There should be regular breaks, which was unheard of back then." So fast forward all these years, it's the same struggle. It, it is exactly the same struggle. And I want to tell you something. Power is never given. You have to take it. And so the, the the whole point about organizing is that you have to recognize your power. And I'll tell you one thing. For these hotel workers, this is the, the power that they have. There's a woman in Nevada. It was the hotel workers and the Teamsters uh, who supported her. Who got out there and organized and came out to work in her campaign and and go door to door and talk to friends and all of that that made it possible for Catherine Cortez Masto to be reelected in a shocker. This really tipped the the whole scale, and that's why pro labor people now uh, are in a position in the U.S. Senate to be able to affect positive change. And it's these hotel workers, it's the people in Las Vegas who are. You know, cleaning rooms and and doing all of the stuff that that your uh, uh, people are doing, they collectively have the power. But that's the that's the 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 key word there. Collectively, unless they're united, at once they want to divide people. They want to scare people. They want to make it seem like you're never going to work again, and you know you're you're going to be blackballed. You won't be able to get a job. And people are afraid, and they especially take advantage of. People that may be undocumented and people that have other issues that they just don't, all they want to do is work and, you know, they'll keep quiet. They just want to get their groceries and pay their rent and raise their kids and and be part of the community without having to be put, have a big target put on their back. But I got news for them. They've already got the target that's for management and they're not, they're, kind of lulled into a a sense of security by managers says, you just keep going along and you're going to be one of the good people. But the minute that you get injured, the minute you have an issue, the minute something comes up, they'll drop you like a hot rock. They have no allegiance to you. Their allegiance is to profit. And that's all that matters to these people. And so that's the whole crux. That's a whole like, um, reason why it's so necessary to get involved, to get those cards signed, to go out there, do a shift. You know, go. The the, uh, the biggest labor effort right now, one of the biggest in the country, is Amazon. Right, Teamsters are have already organized in Amazon, which was thought impossible. And there's a guy uh, uh, who basically was fired from Amazon, and he became like a a labor, you know, icon, a young man. Chris Smalls. And when they got his employee files, it said, oh, he's not very bright. Um, He's inarticulate. You know, he he dresses uh, peculiarly. All of these personal slams about him to degrade and 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 undermine his position so that then they could fire him. Well, he didn't give up. They did fire him. He didn't give up. And what he used to do is go out, and he'd do a tailgate with hot dogs in the parking lot where you could be legally for when workers were coming in and going out and he worked and organized and that's in your region over there that chris smalls did this and he was actually able to be to organize people and to get this whole issue it was thought impossible to organize amazon which is the biggest exploiter today uh in the in the workplace and so now with that new Found confidence and uh, idea. Hey, maybe this is possible. People are starting to say, "This is gonna. This is not only possible, but we can do it. But only if we're united and only if we stand together." So that's the power of one person. One person who was cast. Now I'm a Teamster, and our, you know, and and the president of the LGBTQ caucus, our general president in our union, which is 1.3 million workers strong, across you know teamster land, which is. North America, uh, Canada, and Puerto Rico. For the first time in history, he has embraced the LGBTQ plus, uh, caucus and has empowered our members all, all across Lanka, And that is having a huge impact on people being able to feel part. We put on our t-shirts on Pride this year, a quote from Sean O'Brien. It says, you're not alone. You're not cast aside. We are part of a team. That's this. When he said that, I thought, I'm using that, because that's it in a, in a nutshell. Uh, I would say to you to repeat that mantra to everybody that you go out and you seek to organize, you just tell them, you're not alone. You're not cast aside. We are part of a team. And then they'll get the idea, you know what, I am part of a team. And there's strength in numbers, but you have to be unified. So that's mm-hmm. the important part about what you're doing in organizing these workers, is relating to them that they're not. They're not alone, you know.
0: Chris, that, I, I appreciate you sharing the story about Amazon and how really one person like, you know, Mr. Smalls can make a difference. I, I appreciate that a lot. A I, I question for, you know, for you is if you're – you know, one of the things you mentioned I really liked was that some workers and a lot of the folks that I talked to – They might agree that they deserve better. They might agree, yeah, you know, we shouldn't be having to work crazy hours or we shouldn't be having to to clean 15, 20 rooms in a day. There should be controls. And I think, you know, if you would look at like a Unite Here contract, they have great controls over some of these day-to-day concerns that the workers legitimately have. But it comes back down to the idea of being scared. And you mentioned something, you used the phrase a target on their back, and they know that that target's there. I guess, you know, my question for you is, if you're a worker and like you said, you're just kind of coming in, you want to do the work, get your paycheck, you've got two kids at home and a spouse, or maybe you've got mom and dad living at home, you're helping them out, something like that. Um, why would anybody go out of their way and do something crazy like what you and I do um, and, and stand up and kind of pick a fight? Like what, what would you say to somebody like that?
1: Well, you know, it's the people that are targeted and that are, are uh, you know, they try to, just like in the, the animal kingdom, they try to get the uh, the wounded or the slower moving uh, member of the pack to focus on. And so they want to, their, their MO is to prey on people that have those insecurities, that are worried, and they use that fear in order to spread, and if, if you help us, you know, oppose those people, you're going to be in a real good position, but they really don't give a shit about you. They don't care about you. If you're cleaning uh, 12 rooms and they're pushing you, pushing you to do 15 rooms, and the minute that you get to 15 rooms, they're going to say, oh, now we have to do better. We want you to do 20. So it's never, there's never going to be enough because their whole focus and all those big mirrored buildings with the lawyers and the accountants in them and any major corporation, they're sitting there all day long to think, how can we increase profits? Yeah. And, and the lazy way that they always go to is let's pay people less and demand they do more. Right. Because a lot of people out there that are desperate to have a decent living or just to have any living, people are working three jobs. This, this you know, especially since the pandemic, when all bets are kind of off, that works both ways though. That's a sword that cuts both ways. On the one hand, there is a labor market. A lot of people just said, forget it. I want to opt out of this. You know, there and, and you can see it on the streets. You know what I mean? Never unprecedented homelessness. People that are unhoused all across our country. These are people. They are somebody's brother, sister, mother. Most people live paycheck to paycheck. That's why they're so afraid. That's why they're so desperate because they don't want to be one of those people. They pass them every day on the way to work and think, oh, God, please don't let me wind up there basically putting a pressure on you to actually become one of those people. If you don't play, that works great for them. Why haven't we done anything about um, uh, homelessness and all the other uh, associated problems with that? Because they like it just fine because that's basically you want to wind up there, then, you know, get with the program and play ball with us. And you, you know, you won't have to, well, you should be grateful, uh, you know, to have this job and uh, basically being screwed over for our crummy wages. And if you make any noise, well, we're just going to toss you out and you're going to wind up with all those other people. So that's what's going on. It's psychological warfare. But when you unite with other people and you realize your own strength and you start investigating, I always encourage people and I tell people, I plug a lot, go to our website, you know, uh, lgbtqteamsters.org and then keep Abreast of what other people are doing. We're going to be linking your podcast on our website so that because there's people all over the country that need to hear these stories, they need to have these conversations. And you're right, they don't always want to hear all these technical numbers. Like right now, a big focus, we're on strike in Hollywood. I am for 30 years, I've been a film and television location professional. And uh, there's been strikes over the years. Uh, right now, the Writers Guild is on strike teamsters don't cross picket lines so we respect you know when they put a picket line up we don't cross it it'll just shut down whatever show we're working on but now stag after has opted for the first time in 60 years there's going to be a double strike and that just happened okay hours ago so now you know they're facing this um unprecedented uh unity with the uh, working rank and file in hollywood and we're the same as hotel workers or anybody else. You know, we're people that work hard that are trying to deliver a product that people uh, want. They want to be entertained. They want to relax, watch their favorite show. And there are people working to make that happen. But the executives who have the power to pay these people a fair wage and benefits, they're making between 30, uh, they're making between 30 million and 300 million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. The, the the top executives in 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 entertainment in Hollywood make. Can you imagine making thirty million dollars for one person for, for a year? And there are there's other executives that made upwards of three hundred million. Now what does that mean? That means somebody's making a million dollars a day, and you know where that money's coming from. It's coming from profits generated by their selling products that people like me manufacture. That's right. We, we do all the work and you know yes. you rooms do you think that hotel would uh, rent out if the the if the rooms were dirty and the beds were
0: you know Not what i'm saying
1: if, if it wasn't clean are you kidding that would shut them down overnight and they only know they only respect strength okay and the That's only right. way to have strength is through unity and the only way to have uh, unity is to tell people that they are not alone. They're not cast aside. We're part of a team, but the only way that that team can empower themselves and others is to be unified. And we're we're doing a a conference in November in Washington, D.C. The LGBTQ plus caucus is going to have a, a conference in Washington, D.C., November 15th through the, I mean, November 12th through the 15th. And on the 14th, on Tuesday, November 14th, we're going to have a a big, the first in history, and hopefully the first annual queer labor rally, where we're going to have other orgs like Pride at Work. Uh, we're we're uh, working with uh, in partnerships with other uh, labor orgs to bring people out and make a statement by coming to the Capitol Steps and having a queer labor rally, and that's going to be great because that's going to be people from SEIU, it's going to be people from all the different. Unions as many as possible because most of them are headquartered in Washington, D.C., so people can be able to get there and access it. And we want to show our strength in numbers and empower people to do the same, and the next year be even bigger, you know. And that, but it all start has to start somewhere, you know. We, for the first time in Teamster history, we were in the Alley Pride Parade last year at the last minute when our new administration, Sean O'Brien and Lindsey Dorsey and Fred Zimmerman, came into power. They made a promise during their campaign for leadership to support the LGBTQIA workers. And they came through in, in huge fashion. The the head of the um, Human Rights and Diversity Commission, Anthony Rosa, who's r- 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 from the East Coast out there, in New York City, he served on the HRDC for 20 years. And he said, you know, I've been on the board of the HRDC with Teamsters for 20 years. And we never really gave any support or love to the LGBTQ plus uh, community. And he said, when I was appointed by Sean O'Brien, my pledge was that's going to change. And he has worked tirelessly. He flew out with his assistant from D.C. to march in the parade alongside of us. Right. Now, when you have a parade, that's the oldest and largest pride parade in America. And when you have Last year, we had 130. This year, we had over 250 Teamsters from all different locals, different unions, marching in that pride parade under a big, huge Teamsters float that was made by union members. Can you imagine how exhilarating that is? I've been getting calls from all over Teamsterland of other people, other unions. Uh, other locals that want to participate in their pride event, and so far we we have we supported salt places that you might not even think would would be able to do it. Salt Lake City, Utah, we supported their pride parade. Albuquerque, New Mexico. There's there's uh, locals all over that are once they see and they go, hey, I didn't know. So many people say this. I didn't know we could be in pride. And now they're empowered. So that's setting off a chain reaction. And that's going to be the same thing with your workers and the people that you organize. People are going to say, I didn't know I could do that without being fired. Or I didn't know someone would have my back if I did Mm -hmm. get under pressure. Because that's the thing is that they're going to think twice. You know, maybe you're that kid walking alone to school through a kind of a scary neighborhood and you're a little different looking and you're worried every day that you're going to get jumped or something like that. But if you have some great big friends walking with you, that are shit kickers who don't take any crap from people, you're going to have a lot better chance of getting to school and being able to do the things you need to do than you would all by yourself. So that's kind of like what unions are. We're the people that are going to walk you to school and and make sure that you, they have your back because we know that in our hour of need, you're going to have our back. And that's just how union works.
0: That's excellent, Chris. That's great stories about people coming together from all over uh, the country or team's land, as you uh, so lovely put it, you know, I, I love that. Um, and I like that, uh, you know, I, I know we're almost at time here, so I kind of have one last kind of idea I want to ask you about. And, you know, you talked about the con- the, the money, and I think that that's really important in this, in this show. And one of the things I want to work on as I do this project is helping people really understand that. And, you know, when I, I sampled a few hotel workers, just kind of ask them left or right, you know, how much money do you think the hotel makes in a year? And I put together a little educational video. I don't think anybody watches it because it's kind of nerdy and it takes you about 10 minutes, but I'm, I'm into that kind of stuff. But most people don't understand that these hotels that are a little smaller, you know, they're making anywhere between three to four million dollars a year. And like you said, the owner who's getting uh, most of that money, um, you know, they, they wouldn't be able to do a thing without clean rooms, right? And so I guess my, my last kind of question for you, and I would love to talk about what, where you've had experience in this, is how do folks like the housekeepers who don't think that they have leverage, right? They don't, they, you know, they've never under, they've never been given the opportunity to get a textbook course in finance like these CEOs have, learning about leverage and learning about, you know, power and learning about how the, the income statement and the balance sheet works. These are really difficult things to do. I mean, that's kind of one of the, the things I learned. But to me, it became very simple. When you see the hotel room on... Expedia.com selling for $200 that night, right? And you you know you're a housekeeper. You're cleaning that room in half an hour at $14 an hour, maybe. You just got $7. So the owner sold that room for $200. You're the person that made that room viable for someone to go and check in on, right? And you only got seven bucks? Like that's crooked as shit, right? And so Mm. what would you say to folks about you know, really understanding the power that they really have. Can you talk about that more?
1: Well, in my personal experience, uh, you know, I we make a product in Hollywood, uh, entertainment, films and television, and you see, you know, the huge uh, budgets. And whenever you go uh, to a, a movie or you uh, screen a movie, uh, at the end, you'll see all these people in the credits. There's just dozens and dozens of people. And... Those are the folks that are absolutely necessary to create that product. And so there's not one for it because it's all about the money. Believe me, it all boils down to dollars and cents. So every single person on there, because the producers are so profit driven, there's not one person that you see in their name and lights going up the screen that's not absolutely essential to creating that product. Those are the people that make the film. Past There used to be. Uh, you know, maybe a producer, maybe an executive producer. Now you have watch, watch. Look at those that part of the credits. You'll see executive producer. There's 30 executive producers and producers know, and all that. And those are people what we call above the line. They're the people that okay. are uh, you know in charge. And then they they you know write the checks. And you know there's an old saying. It's called the golden rule. The person with the gold rules. And, <laughs> And so these are the people that their their whole thing is about how am I going to make this faster, cheaper, uh, and more profitable? And that's why you know what they try to do always is to divide. You know they started giving incentives for filming like you know in, in all through different regions, Atlanta, New Orleans, and to kind of drain our business away from where it's traditionally been, Los Angeles is and will always be the film and television capital of the world. But you know what? Other places have their hub for their looks and for other reasons, New York, there's there's room for more people all over. But the studios did to basically find a way to get free tax money mm-hmm. that we pay of our, our wages. They're giving away to major corporations to encourage them to come and use their resources because they know that they can have uh, a, a bigger profit by giving these freebie tax incentives and also using their public infrastructure for nothing. And that's what they do. So it's always about, you talk about um, the economics of it. It really isn't. And also I will put a word for editors. Editing is everything, okay? Hmm. And so
0: most men- so What med- does an editor do? You know, I love that you're talking about, because so many of my workers, they, they love television, right? We don't often think about the, the many hands that go in that. So tell me more about- some of these roles that are super your favorite television show on NBC or something, right?
1: The editor is essential. What it is, is we produce all of this stuff that are all the ingredients. You know, like I said, record as much as possible because you can edit it down and get the best clips, the best pieces, the more material you have. So we shoot all this stuff. We follow a script. We shoot all the scenes and all that. We do it over and over for different angles or maybe something looks better or sounds better or maybe they think of something while they're doing it but the editor takes all that raw material like you would do if you're making a recipe and then they decide how much of this is going to taste good how much of that and then they create the, the film which is the finished uh main course if you will from all of the little spices and things that we make so an editor like you said you have this informational thing probably nobody watched because it's 10 minutes long the, it, the way to get things across is to be, you know, brevity is the soul of clarity. So you want to edit that down to three to five minutes max. And so you'll go and take that, which you already put up, and just make the hard decisions. What is absolutely essential? What are the elemental things that I want to say to these people? If somebody gave me a microphone and said, okay, you've got two minutes, what am I going to say? And then you expand that a little bit to make it, because most people, almost everybody, now gets their information visually. People don't reread a lot anymore. They want to see the visual. So that's why what you're doing is really empowering and very important because people are going to see and be able to relate to a human being telling them something rather than reading something or they get all the numbers mixed up. Even the president, God love him, he gets a little befuddled when he starts rattling up numbers. Who wouldn't? You know, it just people gloss over they can't you know they can't process it it's not no mystery the finances it's very simple you know you could do it on an elementary level of you know uh you know like a word problem about you know Cindy has two apples you know yeah. whatever you know that's what they used to do like a word problem and this basically say look this person wants to have uh, all of you know the as much as the uh, profit as possible and make your little slice of that apple smaller and smaller because then they, you know, keep that for themselves. But we're trying to figure out a way to have some equality, to have some leverage, to be able to have work, livable wages, and, and decent, safe working conditions, and empower. So that's all about empowerment. And I, I would just say that you can edit your message to, to be the most uh, accessible. But sometimes people will, when they get a little taste of your recipe and and they'd like a podcast, you know, they'll give you more time. So you can have your, you know, your mini uh, podcasts that you put out. And then you say, if you want to know more about this, click here. They may listen for 10 or 20 minutes because you've inspired them to seek out information. Because like I said, power and, and focus are never given. You have to take them. So you have to provide people the opportunity to take advantage of the things that you learn and are learning with all the people that you're interacting with about organizing and about their own empowerment. It is possible. They just have to believe it's possible.
0: I love that. Uh, Well, Chris, I know we're pretty much at at our time here, and I know I've taken you a few extra minutes than you originally allotted me, so I'm grateful for that. Um, If you could just give me one last bit, you know, again, I just, if you could sum up sort of in in a nutshell, like you said, just a nice little bite-sized idea. If you're a worker and you're not making enough money in these hotels or wherever we're talking to people, if you're not making enough money to put food on the table, pay rent, all those basic things, can you tell me in your in your vision of what it means to be in a union? What are you know? What's that basic idea about what it means to join a union? What's your benefit? going to be from it and why should people maybe give talking to me another chance if they see me around richmond what do you think
1: well i I go back to what our general president sean o'brien said and i use that so much i repeat this constantly and i I post it and publish it that the the main thing to keep in mind about being in a union is that you're not alone you're not cast aside we the more that you say that mantra the more that you empower people by letting them know that being in a union means having somebody have your back. It means being able to be united to get even more uh, of the slice of the pie that you truly deserve. It's not, you're not alone. You're not cast aside. We are part of a team. And and in doing that, you're able to help other people. So you're not just helping yourself, you're helping everybody. Because when those uh, laws were made to, Uh, In you know, give people the eight eight hour day, which had never been even thought of when they were made to give people two days off a week, a weekend, which was never even thought of. Those were seen impossible pie in the sky. There's no way, you know, it's all driven by the dollar. And yet that happened to the point where now people just take that for granted. That wasn't always the case. So you have to remember that if you want to increase your wages, if you want a better lifestyle, you see those bumper stickers that say live better, work union. What that means is if you join the other people in the struggle and find the unions that are representing you, like, uh, like Unite Here, uh, any one of a number, and reach out to them. And when they ask you to get cards, do it. Join them. Go out with them. You know, let, make – put your – in order to get something, you have to give something. So, being part of a union doesn't mean, okay, I'm going to pay my dues. What do you give me? You have to participate because this is an ongoing struggle. It's never going to be all the way one. It's an ongoing struggle. And they have an ongoing profit driven incentive, but we have an ongoing justice incentive. So, we have to keep up our end of the bargain. But I just remember, folks, you're not alone. You're not cast aside. We're part of a team. Chris, I
0: love that. And if you can remind everybody again, your name, your title with your organ. And, and I know you had a website. Could you share that with us one more time? Yeah, I'm
1: Chris Fuentes. I'm the president of the Teamsters LGBTQ Plus Caucus. Uh, our website is uh, www.lgbtqteamsters.org. Please check that out. And we hope that you can make the queer uh, labor rally, the first annual queer labor rally on November the 14th on the Capitol Steps at 2 p.m. You're going to be hearing a lot more about it if you check into the website and, uh, you know, follow us. Um, and we're also on Facebook and uh, TikTok and Twitter and all that. But LGBTQ Teamsters.
0: org? Yeah, dot org. OK, awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time there. Um, I'm going to go ahead and hit the stop recording button. Awesome. Chris, uh, again, I really thank you so much for your time. And I know I've gone a bit over on that. So I am grateful for the extra time that you've given me.
1: Right. Thank you. And thanks for doing what you're doing. It's really important. We look forward to linking your website. I mean, your uh, podcast on our website and also, um, you know, keep it up. I mean, it's this is a really important part of getting the information out there to people that, you know, what you're doing is essential to everybody's you know what we're all doing we're all part of that same team and i'm hoping to see you at the conference in november i'll keep you posted about yeah. that please,
0: please remind me or make sure um, i'll go on your website i'm sure there's a newsletter i can uh, get linked into right so i can get those updates um if well, not-
1: workshops and and one of them is going to be on media and all that so maybe you want to participate i in love that. that you could do a remote podcast from there yeah. you know, talk about those opportunities. So I will keep you posted.
0: That would be awesome. And, and I'm really grateful you, um, you know, I have some of your other uh, caucus teammates joining me. And again, I just, I love collecting these stories. I don't think that, um, you know, if I've learned one thing in this labor space in the last year, it's, you know, everybody I meet in labor, I, I know there's a lot of inter, inter-union sort of uh, strife sometimes. And it makes me laugh because, I meet mean, everybody like you, I mean Teamsters, SCIU, Unite here, AFL CIO. And I'm thinking these they fight like siblings. Like they lo- they love people far more than any owner that you'll ever meet. And I, I just wish that they all knew how much they all had in common and how much more, you know, they they really love people uh, more than some of these other differences. So I really love that you um, you know, you gave a lot of positive feedback to other orgs as well, because that's really important to me is saying, you know. To me, any union's better than not in a, in a large in a, in a place like where are am from. You know what I mean? It's about solidarity. Solidarity forever. That's what it's about. That's right, solidarity. Chris, thank you again for your time. I look forward to connecting with you more in the future. And, and don't forget uh, to watch out for and to tune into. I should have given a plug to my show.
1: I work on a, a an amazing LGBTQ plus show called Good Trouble. It's okay. on Hulu, a Disney ABC show that's a spin off Hulu. Of It's on Hulu and it's a spinoff of The Fosters, which was a very uh, popular series about a lesbian couple who adopted children and raised them. Now the girls have grown up. They live with their friends in a collective, loft above the Palace Theater in downtown Los Angeles. And we just finished our season five and we're going to be being renewed for season six. It's LGBTQ plus created, written. And a lot of the folks on the show are LGBTQIA people. And and friends and allies, and uh, so it's it, that's really great. It covers everything. Everybody will see in our community, in the LGBTQIA community, will see their story in some aspect on that show. So please mention Good Trouble. And, Good Trouble. Uh,
0: yeah, I'm and that's the, on Hulu. Yeah,
1: it's on Hulu, and that's the iconic uh, uh, kind of tagline that John Lewis, you know, a civil rights uh, mm. icon in that he said it's in order for to uh, uh, achieve progress, it's necessary to get into good trouble. Yeah. And these are like what they used to do with the uh, um, with the freedom rides and the where they would sit in at lunch counters to allow African American people to be able to eat at the same restaurant. These are the things that they had to go through and they had to they were arrested often and all of that, which is another aspect we didn't cover. But that's a good thing. Yeah. It focused. Right.
0: I, I love that you mentioned that. Um, I, know I'm, I know I'm going, but you know, I'll give you a real-life example before we go. One person, one worker that's been brave enough to kind of talk with me, um, yeah. and, uh, but I asked them the other day, I was like, I was going to SCIU uh, 512. They won Richmond City Workers. It's the first time Richmond City Workers have ever been allowed to unionize, and they, they did. And so I invited them to this party that, that SCIU, you know, my friend who's the president, was throwing. And our our local congresswoman was there a couple of house of delegates and it was great i wanted to introduce them to some people and feel really good about this space and they were terrified like they were terrified to call out of work sick and i mean this person i was like you are sick you're having a breakdown right now i'm I'm watching you have a mental breakdown your body's like caving in on itself you are sick friend their name is pick up the phone say i'm sick i don't want to come in and spread whatever i have like that's very legitimate in the COVID world, like we're taught to take that very seriously. They'll let you go. It's an eight hour shift. They'll be fine. Like, they're making, the GM's making 150 grand. Like that's their job is to cover this shit. Like I know because that's what I did. Right. And they just couldn't do it. And that's Chris, that's where I am. I, I the folks are just terrified. And I, that's why I wanted to do a program like this to be like, there's, you know, you really don't need to be afraid. Like there is strength. You're not, you're not alone, right? I mean, this is this is your mantra, right? So that to me is well, I, so important. I
1: make antiquated references, so forgive me, but if you've ever seen any old-school Star Wars, there's when they're on the evil, like on uh, the Empire Strikes Back. In fact, we did a rally called the Union Strike Back with wow. all wow. 20 different things for it to support the Writers Guild in downtown LA. That's great. And all the, showed up, and it was called the the, the Union Strike Back. I'm send you some pictures. I'll email. Them. Anyway. Yeah. But in that, in the scene where they're on the bridge of the the Death Star, mm-hmm. uh, the evil, you know, governor says fear will keep the local systems in order. Yeah, and that's what they're doing in the corporate offices. Is yeah. they saying fear will keep these uh, workers in order, and that's what they do. And they send in people that are like in Vegas. They have people called coolers that if somebody's winning, they send them over to sit at their table, you know, to kind of break oh. their concentration, so they send in their corporate coolers sure you know, to to counter any advances that you're gonna make or yeah. send their coolers in to whisper into the ear of someone who's kind of coming along and is interested and they're gonna seek them out they're gonna yeah. look for the wildebeest they're gonna like find whoever they think is you know easily you know uh malleable yep. and just, you don't want to go there that's just gonna be you know you're going to yeah. wind up free
0: one of the fun parts about being me and i and i'll tell you i think when i met mary k henry uh, a international president i think one of the things she kind of picked up is like oh this guy's been like at the top he used to be one of those guys like so i really i'm able to bring that sort of understanding and like when they bring in the coolers those are like they brought in two women to do that and like they're my friends like i can speak to the workers in a way that's like you know they're just being played too right like Diane and Michelle, they've got kids. I can tell you about their kids and her dad, like Diane takes care of her dad, like the guns to their head just as much as it is to yours. Like, don't think that it isn't, right? Um, And so that's another part of what I'm trying to do with this project is come from a lens of, oh, I've been at the top. Like, I know exactly what they do. I know exactly what the numbers are. Like, they can't bullshit me because I used to teach this shit. Like, so I really right. want to use that background and like really fucking stick it to them. So I'm going to keep trying, but again, I just can't thank you enough for coming and chatting with me and giving me these advice tips. And, and I really love, um I love talking to you because I, one of the things that you mentioned partway through is, you know, you're in Hollywood. Like that's so important to me. If there's two segments where I think the working class people I work with can really relate, it would be Hollywood and athletics. And I think that the more I can talk to people in those spaces, like you said, I love that you're like, hey, spend two minutes and watch the credits at the next time your show ends, right? Like nothing that came on this television or screen of whatever these days would have been done without every one of these people and their union, right?
1: Their union, that's right. right. <laughs> Postpartum non-union shows but we won't talk about that no we would, it,
0: that's fine you yeah we, you make sure that we're only pushing good union uh productions on absolutely we'll make that that you know we could we should do that other time like do a good list of like here's good good union stuff you need to be watching right touch absolutely power too. thank you chris solidarity love you thank solidarity.
1: you so much okay have a good day
0: you too